when you go in, when you're asking questions, when you want to learn more, you ask questions with the intent to understand, not the intent to answer. When you force yourself to make eye contact, they can actually feel you making that eye contact. You're also forcing yourself to be more engaged in the conversation. They're going to feel that you're more engaged in the conversation. They're going to feel that you're more genuine and they'll reciprocate. They'll look you in the eyes. They'll be more genuine. They'll open up more at that point. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you again, and we are excited to bring on none other than Jeremy Pruitt to today's show. He's going to be talking about some key elements in developing relationships in the home. But before we jump into that topic and interview our guest, we're going to break down the idea of relationships for yourselves, and we're going to look to Brian for our quote. You can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. Dale Carnegie. All right, all right. That was made me reflect upon the uh, people don't know how much you... Don't people care, don't, people how, don't much care much how much you know. you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. yeah. Same concept. A, the late Dale Carnegie. Yeah, uh, same con- kind of same concept. These people aren't... Uh, we're not talking about people uh, interested in what you know here. You're just building a relationship. Right. But the, the intention is outwardly focused. Correct. Versus uh, showing them something that you think they'll be interested in. You just show a genuine interest in them. Why wouldn't they be interested in me? Whew. Where do you start? <laughs> I can come up with a reason or two. <laughs> <laughs> but it would be shorter. Sure. If you asked why would. Listen, we don't have like be interested. five hours for an intro here, Brian. So let's keep it short. <laughs> because you're a famous rapper. Yes. That's why that's they would be interested exactly in you. right. Yes. Uh, so famous that I think I'm the only one who's heard you rap. Mm. Yeah. No, there's, there's a few people around the office heard a, an original hit a couple years back. But the oh, recent, recently recorded demo. What was that about? Uh, that was about dad life. There was like a contest or something, right? Yes. Uh, me, our former HR director, Caleb Harnish, and our now current VP of external operations, Mr. Michael Vavrick, all had a rap battle. And boy, was that, uh, that was something. Mm-hmm. I got to vote on that, right? I hope not, but. I think so. Could be. I subsequently leaked it to the entire company. Subsequently? Subsequently? Subquentially? I don't know. I'm not. Quench. Now you're making me thirsty. Somebody used the word uh, gelastic the other day. What was it? Gelastic? Oh, Chris is going to kill me for that. Gelatus? <laughs> was was uh, Chris <laughs> the one who used it? Yes, he did. And he and Brad both knew the word. Gelastic? No, that wasn't it. I know subsequently. Just means, you know, after. 
Oh, well, then you win. You win. What do I know? And I this is know, why uh, people would not be interested in me. Are you saying gelatinous? Gelatinous. That's okay. the word. You don't, you don't know that I don't. Word. I don't know that word. I mean, I can I can piece it together, but like, you know, at the time, I was like, that's a new one for me. And I find out that everybody knows what gelatinous means, and they use it frequently, apparently. Yeah, I understand where your vocabulary suffers you. After all, did not graduate from your Detroit public high school, nor did you attend college. <clears throat> Listen, Lil Chirp doesn't Oh, know. sorry, wait, no, that was me. Lil, Lil you Chirp. actually did both. <laughs> Lil Chirp can't rhyme with gelatinous. So, <laughs> I'll Maybe I'll could. try. <laughs> if you can work gelatinous and subsequently into that first... The, the, yeah. The first four bars, I would be happy. Wow, right. that's challenge. Challenge is stated. I don't know if it's accepted, but it's out there. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure it's going to matter because what was it? Two weeks ago that we we put the uh, contest up. Yes, not contest, but the challenge, the, the call to action to uh-huh. our listeners. Yep. We were at 123 reviews. We're now at 131 reviews. And uh, that's putting us at about 16 a month. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two ways of looking at that. One. Uh, we got know, November and December left. One. So 32. One is that there's there's not enough people listening to this to actually accommodate that Real quick. I, you know, I'm not great with math. How many <laughs> reviews do we need to get to 200? <laughs> 69. I'm sorry. My headphones messed up. How many was that? Yeah. You heard me. And the other, the other option... <laughs> Is that the people have actually spoken the other direction where they're saying, I'm not going to review yeah, this. No, I was going I to. I was absolutely going to review your podcast. I'm going to wait till January 2nd now because I don't want to hear this exactly. guy rap. I, I understand. I get it. And that's why people and relationships are so critical. Huh. <laughs> See, I brought that full circle. There. Not really. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a circle. It's fine. It's fine. In the rap game, that's what we do. So... <clears throat> All right, so I want to read a. Uh, I'm going to read one of our wonderful listeners' uh, take on the podcast here. Alex C said, "Words of wisdom, great words of wisdom for all texts in all fields. Great to have people talking about positive things." Thank you, Alex C. We appreciate you. Well, that was nice. I'm not sure words of wisdom might be a stretch there, but uh, we do have some really interesting no, guests. I think, yeah, yeah. I think he was talking so, about the guests. The guests, buddy. that's he fine. Wasn't talking yeah, about I get us. it. I get it. I get it. Speaking of guests, Jeremy Pruitt is joining us today. Yep, we're talking relationship building, the five keys to building a successful relationship. That's right. So, I had uh, I had a little help with this. I had a mentor who felt like his job was to uh, make me. I don't know about build relationships, but like bring, bring that wall down, that anxiety I had about talking to new people and like just going up to people. And, you know, we were just in Arizona together at Tommy Mello's vertical attract events, which was freaking phenomenal. That was a great time we had. Yeah. And if you saw me there, you saw me just going up to everybody, no problem. But if you could see me 2004, 2005, I'm 24, 25, had just gotten to this company and had just acquired a mentor, my first mentor. And, you know, I was, if you got me talking, I was good to go, but getting me in front of new people, I struggled like big time. I'm like having a little bit of anxiety just thinking about how I felt approaching people back then. And Lance would like 
he wanted me, he wanted to break that really badly. Well, I mean, I mean, I asked him to, I said, this is where I'm going to struggle the most with this selling career. You know, <clears throat> I was already good with the plumbing, but where you, where are you though? I was or, good enough for you. I was good enough. God is listening, Brian. <laughs> right. Look, we had other techs who could do my callbacks, right? We were fine. <laughs> so I just, I struggled with, I wanted to communicate better. I wanted to talk to people. I really enjoy people, but I, I just, I grew up in a neighborhood and went to schools that, you know, the, the nail that sticks out gets hammered. So I did very little standing out as little as possible, although it wasn't too possible to not stand out in a Detroit public school. But uh, I did what I could. So there were several instances of him, and I can remember so many. I'm, I'm sure I've forgotten way more than I can remember, but where he would have me, like, you know, we're, we're out to lunch, and he would just say, you know, go up to the, the waiter that's not even serving us. And, you know, we're in Las Vegas. There's like five people that actually grew up there. Everybody's from somewhere else. And he would say, like, go up to a waiter that is not serving us and just find out what city he came from. I'm like, oh, I can't do the one that's <laughs> coming to our table. I got to, like, you know, make this awkward. And he's like, yeah, do it, man. And Or it would be, you know, go up to the bartender and, and find out if she has kids. And these seem so basic and easy, and, and they are, I guess. But I was so shy and had such a hard time, to, you know, sparking up conversations with new people at the time that these were incredibly difficult for me for whatever reason. And then he would do stuff like, well, like what you and Mike and Amelia saw me do a vertical track was go up to the counter with the intention of having our rooms moved and, you know, making something like a bit of an upgrade there. Uh, because as, as it was booked, they did not have any two bed rooms for Mr. Little Chirp and Mike. So, and they also could not guarantee us they would have a cot, <laughs> a rollout bed. So Mr. Nate and Mr. Mike where, were going to be bunking together. Where was Amelia going to be sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they said, work your magic, baby. Go up there and get us. And I'm like, done and done. And, you know, I won't, I won't tell my, my secrets, but uh, we got a bed with a or a room with a king bed for Amelia and myself and a uh, little chirp and Mike got themselves a two bed, two, two queen size bed room. Sure did. All worked out. They even gave us an adjoining room, which put a little strain on my evenings. Uh, <laughs> not, not I don't insulated follow enough. Brian. I don't follow. Well, you and Mike were making a lot of noise in there. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> ESPN was turned up too loud, huh? The what? ESP. Yes. Yeah. yeah ESPN. So those are the kind of things that Lance would have me go do. We would be flying, I don't know, southwest from Vegas to Phoenix from time to time, from McCarran Airport to uh, uh, Sky Harbor. And he would say, just go up and, and get us, you know, get us the early bird or whatever they had back then in like 04, 05, without having to pay for it. And I'm like, oh, you know. But this was the next level. This was the, the graduating ceremony to the next level. Like, it was so easy for me to walk up to anyone now and say, hey, what city are you from? Like, it just, it didn't mean anything to me. So he would have me do these things. Well, I found out pretty quickly, just by practice, that if I made 
significant eye contact, smiled, and dropped a compliment. Like, man, do people need our encouragement? Mm. This is back in two, 2004, 2005. Nothing's changed. And, and believe me when I tell you, I don't mean as you're walking up to the front door and, and your client opens the front door for you to say, oh, beautiful family, beautiful porch. This is amazing. <laughs> beautiful grass. You know, it's just grass. It's everybody else's grass. It's half crab grass. But a genuine compliment for something that's sincere for something that you see. And you know what I train here. I train forego the compliment and, and go with gratitude. But you have to come up with a genuine reason that you're grateful to be there. So the ones that I used a lot of when I was in a truck was weather. You know, if it was in Las Vegas and it was 108 that day, I was genuinely grateful that this job was inside in the air conditioning. So the first thing I would say was, man, I can't thank you enough for having me over to your house today. And a smile in the handshake. I'd say, believe me, I got buddies, you know, in, in uh, plumbing trucks like myself working outside, swinging a pickaxe today, you know, replacing a water line in the yard or whatever. They are dying out there. And I just want to thank you so much for having me here inside in the air conditioning uh, and getting to know you a little bit. And I, so it was genuine gratitude, right? You felt like I was, I was grateful for you there, right, Minnick? Yeah, man. Genuine gratitude, and it just started everything on a right foot. So I started trying to do combination of like compliments and gratitude and found that that broke the ice a lot better it made people a little bit more receptive it's got to be genuine though which is why like um gratitude so much more than compliments uh also you know you're a married man it's the only thing you can find to compliment the lady behind the counter is her eyes your wife's not going to appreciate that <laughs> she's standing next to you <laughs> i've found in my travels so back in like 04, we're taking this flight and there is a rather large, uh, probably 65, 60, 65 year old woman of color who is a flight attendant. And she is the happiest person you've ever met and among the loudest per people you've ever met. And she's coming up our way and Lance says, get her phone number. <laughs> Are you serious? And I'm like, what? Get her phone number. But don't just get her phone number. Get it for romantic reasons. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh my word. And he's like, you got to get her phone number with her understanding that you may call her for a date. I'm like, <laughs> wow. What? That is tough. Like, I'm just not doing it, my man. Not happening. And he reminded me that in the beginning of this, when he, when he said he would take me on as a mentor, <clears throat> that we shook hands and he said, you know, anything I ask you to do, you're going to do that, you know, and I won't ask you to do anything that's going to compromise your integrity or principles, but anything I ask you to do, you have to do it or I'm not taking this on. And I'm like, I'll do it. And he made me do some pretty hard stuff, but this one... She was so much more outgoing than I was that I'm like, she's going to make a fool out of me. Like, there's just no way around that. And, and I don't know why, but, you know, sitting in that Southwest flight or whatever it was, that, you know, tuna can with all these people in it, I'm like, can't, I can't do it. I can't muster up 
the courage to do this. I'm making excuses like, oh, I don't want to hurt her feelings because, you know, I'm just ripping up the sticky note on the way out of here and throwing it in the trash. You know, I'm not calling her. He's like, bro, shut up. <laughs> you, don't, you don't care about that. I'm like, yeah, I don't. And he's like, come on, let's face it. You ain't getting that number anyway. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. She comes, she's coming back again. He's like, now it's your chance. And I'm like, no. So she comes by and I hit her with a compliment. I don't remember what it was, but I tried the compliment thing. And she blew me off hard. Like, yeah, yeah, okay. And she keeps walking. I'm like, dang. So the next time she came by, he's like, go on, go on, go on. I hit her with gratitude. Hey, I can't tell. You know what? I've been on a few flights. I don't know. At that point in my life, it was like my second or third flight. Like, I've been on a few flights. And I got to tell you, like, you you doing this job, it, it makes it seem like I'm, I'm in someone's house just hanging out. And, and I hit her with gratitude on, like, how she made the environment in that plane because it really was something different. And and it worked. And she was like, oh, thank you so much, sweetie. You know, she treated me like her son's friend, which is pretty accurate because she was probably 40 years older than me. <laughs> yes. And goes walking back up to the front. And and he's like, whatever, dude, you ain't doing it. Like, and he come, she comes walking back again, and I did it. And I don't remember the words I used, but I was, I just was like, can I get, you know, and I'm like, I'm being so quiet. I do not <laughs> want the other passengers to hear this. So I'm being so quiet about it, and I'm just like, can, uh, do you think, uh, like, maybe I could get your phone number and, you know, give you, maybe we can go out sometime after, you know? <laughs> and she's like, what, honey? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Loud laughing at me. She's like bending around to other passengers, like yelling. She's, he just asked for my phone number pointing at me. So now from behind me, from in front of me on both sides of the aisle, she's like waving at people to look at me to say, he just asked for my phone number. The pilot comes over, <coughs> ladies oh. and gentlemen of the plane. Uh, Mr. Burton has just been rejected. <laughs> and, uh, yes, I'm like, like I knew I was like, of course she's not gonna get, like looking to go on a date with some 25 year old <laughs> idiot, you know. <laughs> so she uh, continues to make fun of me for about two minutes, and then. You know, I'm ready to jump out the exit door. I'm like, it's clear a path here, people. I got to go. And she, she goes away and I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, I'm a, I'm like a stone. I'm a statue. I'm like petrified right now, like fear and anxiety. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm like sick to my stomach. Like this fear of rejection in us is so, it's so visceral. Like it just took hold of me. So I'm like freaking out and, and Lance can tell. And I'm just like, whatever, whatever. I just need to get off this plane. Now, at this point, I'm like, hey, chalk it up as lost. I'll never see any of these people again. What do I care? Brian's hitting the emergency raft on the oh. exit door. <laughs> Out of here. It. Doom, doom. <laughs> so Lance is like, look, man, look, wait till we get out of this plane. Wait till we walk out of here. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And so I get up and, you know, the people ahead of us clear out of the aisle and they go out of the plane and then it's our turn and we get up and I grab my bag from up top and. I start heading out. Well, we're on the left side of the plane, you know, facing the pilot. We're on the left. And I, as I get up to go out, look to my right, and the people behind me waiting start, like, 
holding their hand out to give me high five and fist out. Bro, <laughs> you, you shot your shot, man. Hey, congrats, <laughs> man. You shot your shot. You know, like, I'm proud of you, buddy, you know. And I, I laugh with them like, yeah, just please give me, let me get out of here. You, know? you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to make that shot. <laughs> so, so we get out and like, as we're walking out, the two flight attendants stand there to tell everybody, you know, have a good day. She's not one of them. But those two laughed and hit me with the high five. Hey, man, you did what you could, man. That was, <laughs> that was hilarious. And then we get out of the, the tarmac or whatever we get out of the um whatever you call it the tunnel yeah and there's a bunch of those people that were on the plane standing there smiling hit me with you know kudos for like shooting my shot and i'm just like you know i'm I'm no longer like mortified i'm laughing about it with everyone else i could just agree everybody a great story gave me a, a great a decent story and uh we all we all had a good laugh about it of course, Lance had a good laugh about it with everyone we met from that point <laughs> to the rest sure. of the time I knew him. And, but what it, what it made me realize was like the fear of rejection, it doesn't really serve us anymore. Like we, we developed it for what purpose? We developed it for, you know, a few hundred years ago or whatever. We lived in a little village and Nate here was, was responsible for the well like you were the quote unquote plumber and uh, you know, a thousand years ago, there's no plumbing or anything, but you, you, you dug the hole, you controlled the well. I appreciate the honorable profession, Brian. I would have figured you'd make me like the elephant dung shoveler or something well, like that. You know, they didn't have marketing people, right? So, <laughs> it's gotta, gotta make you something. Sure. <laughs> there's no court jester. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, Mike might be the, uh, the cobbler making the making the shoes so everybody has some shoes to wear and and maybe jeremy who's coming on here shortly is the blacksmith and he makes weapons so we can hunt or whatever and we have somebody who's responsible for the farming and maybe you know my wife and i do sewing or you know make garments or something we we make uh, animal skin into clothing well we all trade amongst ourselves in the village right so everybody has what they need because we're all trading off services and products. Kind of sure. like we do now. We just trade it for cash or, or credit or whatever. Venmo. And then spend that. <laughs> but in these little villages, if you said or did something that made you an outcast, you know, you and Sarah and the kids get the boot and you're out. And granted, you know how to like dig a well, but you don't, you don't farm. You don't hunt. You don't make clothes. There's not even, you know, there's, you're not leaving with the well because it's a hole in the ground. <laughs> True. <laughs> so fear of, profession. fear of rejection kept us alive. Like you, you had to stay within certain social norms or you were booted out of the only thing you've ever known and you and your family very likely starve to death or, or, you know, get dehydrated or exposed to the elements or, you know, get preyed upon by a band of marauders or what have you. So it served us up to this point, but I realized at that point that it, it just really no longer serves us anymore. It's not, it's not our ally. And I also realized that like the worst case scenario happened. And not only was it not that bad, but I made, you know, I could have easily left with friends from that. Like I, you know, could have easily, if I was landing in Vegas where I lived, I could have easily 
gotten to know people there as a result of that story. But these people were cheering me on. Like, they were big fans. Like, they wanted her to do it. They were telling her to do it. Give her your number. So it just made me realize, like, you know, I don't remember who said this, but I've heard Brian Tracy say it, that fortune favors the brave. The world belongs to the askers. So if you're not willing to jump out and try to make that relationship and take it upon yourself to make that relationship, you know, put that burden on your shoulders, not on your client's shoulders for crying out loud. Are you serious? You put that burden on your shoulders, then uh, fortune will favor you. And uh, some large, older lady can make fun of you on a plane one day, just like me. (laughs) That's a great story, Brian, and I appreciate uh, you sharing that and also the courage it took to actually do that. I think in many ways that has absolutely uh, served its purpose in developing you into the person you are today and, and your communication skills. And we hope this podcast is serving to help develop that within you. And we hope that our guest, Jeremy Pruitt, is going to help develop that in you as well. And we are ready to put him in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Jeremy Pruitt. He is a proud dad and husband, as well as an avid Jeeper. He's a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Ooh. All right. <clears throat> yeah, moving on. And he loves just about anything outside. Uh, he is a small town values guy with a good work ethic, teaches sales and relationship management classes to technicians in the HVAC, plumbing, and electrical trades. He's been in sales management for about 10 years, and during that time, he has been a membership sales manager and held the position of finance manager with Very Large Automotive Group. He's also worked in the franchise development and lead development side of things, and before jumping into sales, he was a government inspector in landscape management. All right, how about that? Early in his career, he worked as a firefighter slash EMT and obtained many additional certifications, including his airport rescue firefight certification. Ah, very interesting driver, pump operator certification, and several others. While in college, he worked closely with his father, who owned both restoration and plumbing companies. That is the late Jack Pruitt. And with that, we welcome Jeremy to the show. Welcome here, Jeremy. Thank you, guys. I'm excited to be here. Good to chat with you again, buddy. We were, we've were we been trying to make this episode happen for a minute. We even had uh, one of our rare pre-call uh, chat before the episodes, uh, which we don't normally do, but we got to... St- kind of um, go back and forth a little bit about what, what we wanted to, what we both wanted to hear on this episode. So, and that was, what was that, like a month ago? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been off and on. I've, I've, I think I've hit every time zone since then, so I think we're all right. Yeah, so I've, the anticipation on my end has been building for a great, great episode, so I'm looking forward to uh, blowing all 11 of our audience members' socks off. That's so, 22 socks, Jeremy. Did 22 you convince your mom socks. to listen? My mom? Did you yeah. convince her to listen finally? No. Oh. No. You said 11. So. I, I figure some of Jeremy's family. Oh, some of Jeremy. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, we, we appreciate any fans you bring to the show, Jeremy. <laughs> I'll work on that. I'll work on that. <laughs> well, hey, man, it's good to have you on. And, of course, we love people who have good content to bring. We're going to talk with you today about relationships. And one of the things that, um, you know, we think of when we deal with the home services industry is certainly relationships uh, or the development of those. And at least in our neck of the woods, we have a lot of recurring relationships. Our technicians, plumbers, and electricians are often asked for by name uh, by clients who've been with us for 10, 20, shoot, even longer than that, sometimes years. 
Uh, and they, they want, you know, they want Charlie back at their house because he's literally been their plumber ever since they've owned that house or, or they want, uh, they want Dave because, you know, he's just a stand up guy and he's never led him astray and he always takes good care of him. So relationships is like this inherent part of the home services industry that has so much value. And yet often in the trades, we spend a lot of time focusing on our hands and, and rightly so, and, and how to, you know, fix the problems and all that. But we may do so at the peril of actually developing the relationship itself. So I'm happy to have you on here and break down some ideas about relationships in general. And I understand you're bringing some five bullet points for our content today, which I'm excited to break into. But before we do that, uh, Jeremy, if you'd be so kind, would you give us a little bit of a bio about yourself? What are you doing? How did you get into this whole uh, trades industry? And uh, what does life look like for you now? Well, um, I will start by um i guess i can go ahead and call out the inevitable that you guys already uh, uh gave me a hard time for i am an avid cowboys fan oh, i'm sorry jeremy uh, did you just get disconnected there uh we, we can yeah, hear you yeah we, uh, thanks for that uh, thanks okay for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah no love would, here i knew that would be used against me at some point during this phone call <laughs> Brian's on the um, very again. proud husband, very proud father. Um, I'm big in the Jeep community here in North Texas. Oh, all right. We can agree on that. Um, Nate, you're you know, in Jeep? How? Two. Yeah. Uh, drive you a Jeep Wrangler. I'm on my third one. Previously. Third Jeep. I love it. Let's go. Are, are, yeah. you, are you rocking the uh, two-door, four-door, the Gladiator these days? I'm doing the four-door right now. Okay, nice. I like it. It's all jacked up. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. And where, where do you, where are you driving this thing at? Uh, man, it's my daily. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. If I'm going to have a toy, I'm going to, I'm going to use it every day. Love it. Top down, hard top, soft top. Uh, it's got a hard top. I uh, take it off usually in the summer. Take that and the doors off. Sweet. My man. Oh, that was always, always good times. I, I missed mine, but, uh, you know, family and life has moved on for now. Man, the kids love it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure my kids would, uh, but they don't make a six-passenger Jeep at this point. So until that gets fixed. Uh, close. Close. <laughs> yeah, close. I know. Close. Hey, uh, <laughs> Alex, you just hang on the back, buddy. <laughs> That's what I'll yeah. tell my oldest. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, what are you What are you doing? What's What's kind of your, your deal? Right now, what I'm doing is um, coaching and developing sales management, relationship management classes for Success Academy, um, teaching HVAC, plumbing, electrical technicians, how to go out and build those relationships that you were just talking about. Love it. And how, uh, do you have a background in the trades? Yeah, um, been in sales management for about the past decade. That's um, some franchising, um, some automotive industry, finance, manager, um, I've done, um, firefighter EMT work as well. Before that, um, started very, very young in the trades when my dad bought and owned a business. Um, he worked and, you know, it, it was, you know, my ambition as a child to go to work with my dad. So I spent a lot of time in that plumbing van. Yeah. And that would be 
formerly of um, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, the late Jack Pruitt, rest in peace, a uh, friend of Nate and mine. We we had actually uh, talked about Jack or talked to Jack about coming on the show before he passed. So when you uh, came into Authority Brands, we were pretty pretty pumped in general because we felt like it was uh, obviously it's a big loss for. Benjamin Franklin Plumbing and Authority Brands, but, you know, ourselves as well. And then for the podcast, not to have had Jack on. So we just thought it was really cool when you came aboard. Yeah, I appreciate that. Fantastic. Well, we do want to jump into our subject, um, and that is relationships right now. So as we were mentioning at the top of the show, it is such a key piece of the industry and something that can be easily overlooked. So I understand you have those five points. Let's jump into number one, or perhaps you could even just tee it up for us a little bit about your perspective of relationships in the home services industry, and then we'll go through those five points. Sure. So to um, use your words and tee it up, essentially, to me, relationships are everything in the home service industry. If you don't build that relationship, if you don't show that value through what you, you're doing and and your people skills, building that relationship, you're probably not going to have the best results in the long run. Right. And, and what is the ultimate, what is the ultimate uh, pain point of not paying attention to that, so to speak? I mean, it's the, the loss of the client, the loss of the return opportunity, right? Yeah. And even more so is, is you're not going to be successful in your job. You're not going to have those clients like what you were talking about referrals years after years after years, time after time, people asking for you by name, none of that's going to happen. You don't make that first customer contact. You don't do it right the first time. You know, it's, it's not going to continue. And, and so not going to continue, but even before that, right? So how do we develop our skills and why is it so important to develop our skills? Because I mean, we're going to be facing strangers every single day, right? That's part of the gig. Yeah, I mean, uh, say you run four calls a day, work five days a week, that's 20 different people's homes that, that you're going to be in that you have no idea who they are every single week. And, and that's that's the point, right? Because it, it is the, it's part of the deal. And so you seeing strangers, you are forced into a situation uh, where you have to interact with them. And unfortunately, there's been plenty of experiences that people have had of trades, men and women that just show up at the door. They kind of say, hi, hello, where's your furnace? You know, where's your water heater, whatever. They go down, disappear to the basement, come back, talk about, maybe they talk about what needs done. Maybe they already did it. Maybe they say, hey, the office will send you a bill and roll out. And And the relationship is very non-existent. Has that been your experience as you've kind of you know, grown up in the trades and, and seen and heard and trained from all different uh, walks of life? Right. I see it all the time. Say, say it's an electrician going into a household. Oh, hi. Um, where's your panel? That's the extent of the relationship. Whew. Killing it on the warm up there. Yeah. I mean, he said hi. So come on. I mean, really and truly, uh, that's, that's what you see across the nation is, that's the extent of, you know, the, the technician wants to go in and get the job done as much as the homeowner wants to go in and get the job done. Let's get it over with and get to the next call. Right. And, and that leaves both parties feeling uh, cold towards each other. Right. It's, 
it's the same experience. It's the same thing. It's it's kind of what they expected. It's nothing to make yourself different from the other guys. Yeah, and the, and the biggest problem is with that model, and, and that's pretty common in, in the trades, is you're, you're putting the responsibility of the warming up of the relationship on the client as if as if they're your as if you're paying them to be there or something like right it's almost like you expect them to start the conversation with you right exactly and and they're paying you to be there not the other way around so you really need to to be to to expect to bear the burden of responsibility of at least conversation but at, at more the relationship building and, and the connection there. And you have to make darn sure you're making a connection with that person and, you know, making it more than just a, an ice cold business transaction or you can well, do I mean, our, our clients are everything because without them, we have nothing. We have no job. We have no, no future. You can do so an ice cold. Everything we have. You can do a, just a straight up business transaction if you want to, but you're going to have very transactional customers who will drop you and move on to the next service provider for a $50 coupon. Whereas if you're building the relationship, uh, maybe your, you know, ticket average won't go up necessarily. It should, and it probably will. But even if it doesn't, you'll at least have repeat business from that client because people are not going to shop around when they genuinely like doing business with someone. Correct. Well, doing yeah, 100 Doing business with someone, someone is what we do. And let's jump into those, uh, those five elements. So you've kind of listed out your bullet points. Are these original to you or has this been, you know, kind of brought out of the fire, so to speak over years and years of experience or where do these five come from? Yeah, really just derived over time and trial and effort, you know, um, time and time again, these are so important in building a relationship kind of broken it down into five categories five bullet points just to make it super easy and super basic absolutely so let's jump into number one how do we start off focusing on relationships man a huge part of having a relationship with someone else is, is just simply listening when you go in when you're asking questions when you want to learn more you ask questions with the intent to understand, not the intent to answer. So sometimes I get a little rushed when I'm doing things, when I'm in a hurry. I ask a question and I think about my response versus asking a question, sitting back and actually hearing the customer's answer and then deriving my response. I think oftentimes we say something and then we feel like we know what the customer is going to say. So we're going to answer what we think they're going to say versus actually listening to their opinion and what's going on with them specifically. I believe that's often referred to as active listening, right? So you're, you're, you know, if, if you're a parent, um, you may have heard the phrase before, you know, Johnny, I want you to listen with your eyes, right? You know, like I, I need your attention on my mouth, my face right now. And that's how I know you're listening as opposed to being distracted, 
as we often all are with cell phones and TVs and, and this, that, and whatever going on and going off. Um, and, and we get, we get distracted. So we spend so much of our time somewhat listening, you know, we multitask in our head, whether the person knows it or not, we're not often intentionally there a hundred percent present, as you might say. And I think that's a well, great, like that's a great place to start. I like how you're saying you're, you're multitasking and you're doing that because when you multitask, when you're at somebody's house, you're not giving them your full a hundred percent attention. But when you do give them your full attention, they're likely to see a person that, that genuinely cares about them. And that's a big deal. It is a big deal. And, and unfortunately I think it is, it's a rarity, right? It, we get so um, accustomed to half-hearted attention spans to actually have somebody in your home who is a hundred percent present, who's listening to you and is responding in kind I think that that in itself is a differentiator in our industry. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, like I said, even uh, I make mistakes. Everybody makes the same mistake. I feel like of not really listening to understand what the person's saying. They listen to formulate their response. So when you go in and you ask an open-ended question that shows you're actually interested in what they're saying, as in, hey, tell me more about this. And you actually listen and, and, you know, man, take notes. Because if you can take notes, it shows the person how important what they're saying is. So in, in employing that tactic there, Jeremy, I mean, is that something that we should start as soon as we walk into the house? Should we have a note paper out and, you know, being diligent about taking notes right there, even in standing in the foyer? Or what does that look like practically? I mean, to me, you're going to have your... Most people have an iPad right there anyways. Flip it up to the notes section. Hey, that's important. Let me write it down. Right. The, the customer is going to see that you're taking the time and that you're, you're focused on them and that you feel like that's important enough to write down. So if someone's talking to me and says, hey, that's important, and they take the time to note what I said or to, to write down something about me, that makes me feel good. That makes me feel like, oh man, this person's actually uh, uh, giving me some attention, paying paying close attention to what I'm saying. You know, I think there is even a psychological effect when somebody visualizes you writing down the words they are speaking. It brings another level of importance to not only the words that I am speaking, but also to the value that you as the technician are placing upon me as the client. Like nobody writes my words down on a typical day-to-day basis. You know, I don't, I don't write my words down. My wife doesn't write my words down. My kids certainly don't write my words down (laughs) to have somebody standing in my home. Who's like, you know, kind of the investigative reporter, so to speak of my home and, and my plumbing system. So to, you know, for example, that, that is, that's a standout man. And that brings another level of concentration and interest to the entire dynamic. Right, and and Dale Carnegie talks a little bit about genuine interest, and if we have genuine interest in another person, it actually helps us gain influence over that person. Another another piece of listening is the ability to ask good questions. Where do you 
or what would be some ideas you have there in terms of what are some good questions to provoke conversation and to get the responses that you're really looking for as opposed to the typical nonchalant, yeah, this, that, whatever? Well, you want to, uh, I touched on it a second ago, you want to ask open-ended questions. You don't want to ask a yes or no question because, you know, as, as adults, we say no a majority of the time. So if we're asked a blatant yes or no question, typically our response is going to be no. So we want to ask questions. Hey, tell me more about that. When did this start happening? How long have you noticed this? Because it takes genuine interest in the person. And when you, when, is there a way to practice that? Is there a way to get good at that tactic? Yeah. I mean, you can use that in your day-to-day life. I mean, you go to the store and someone says, Hey, this is a special. You can ask more questions about it. Just practice. Even, um, you go to a restaurant. Oh, you know, did you guys come up with this dish or did, you know, um, was it here a long time? You know, you can ask questions about anything. You can practice, even practice with your kids. Hey, how'd your day go? Oh, well, we just, we didn't really do anything. We played on the playground. Oh, well, what did you play? Oh, well, we played this. It's, it's digging deeper than just a surface question. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I have one child who, if I ask uh, how their day was, uh, I will get more than my money's worth for that question. And I have another child who is uh, more of the one word variety. Okay. So the first child is Nate's child and the second yeah. child, or sorry, the first one is Sarah's child and uh, the second one is Nate's child for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the genes definitely follow suit there. <laughs> yeah. My, the, my the most... older two are definitely the one word answers. That was cool. Fine. Yeah. But my five-year-old, I will get a detailed history of how the day went. The most common question I've been asked about Nate since in the nine years we've been on the leadership team together by technicians, is he mad at me? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even sure Nate gets mad, buddy, but that's Nate happy. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Brian. Always a joy. Well, moving on here, Jeremy. So listening is the place to start to develop that relationship. What is the next step that we want to focus on? And then, and then also let's, let's not, uh, let's not pretend here. What are we talking about at the end of the day? We're talking about closing sales, right? More sales. Yeah, I mean, sales. at the end of the day, that's the goal is to have the customer um, purchase something or for you to do their work. Yeah. However you want to say it. The end of the day is for the transaction to be completed. That's right. So, yes, we can we can keep funneling down. We can keep uh, piggybacking one question on the next or on the previous but, you know, always be closing. So we're, we're trying to get a mission accomplished here. Now, we're starting, of course, on the foot of I have a wonderful product. This client has a, has a big need. I want to bring these two together and get something installed at this home that's going to make this client a five-star review, tell three friends, you know, recommend us to family and neighbors. Um, but how do we, we need to get from point A to point B? So how is piggybacking questions and digging a little deeper? How's that getting us closer to that ultimate goal? Well, I guess let me answer your question like this. If someone is 
genuine, if someone really asks questions to learn, if someone really cares about what you're saying, what you're doing, trying to genuinely help the solution, help the problem, make a solution, are you more likely to do business with that person or for someone that comes in and says, yep, heard your toilet was stopped up. For sure. You're, you're definitely more likely to, most people are more likely to do business with the person who has made, who has drawn some kind of relational connection between the two of them. And you do, you know, we do in the trades find ourselves competing against other companies often, uh, whether, even if we don't know it at times we're competing against other bids, we might not find out until the end. And most certainly the one who has built the best relationship has a far greater chance of getting that work, even if the price is a little higher. Most of the time, even if the price is a lot higher. Right. It's all about that relationship. It's all about, man, I I understand this price is higher, but I get this, this, and this, and this person if I go with them. If not, I'm just going to get the work done, and hopefully it's right. Hopefully they stand behind their work. I don't really know much about this guy, but, you know, it's cheap. Or, man, you know, this guy came in, he asked me about my problems. He was able to help things I didn't even realize were wrong. He was able to jump in and and solve everything and, and make my system work exactly how I wanted it. Yeah, it was a little bit more expensive, but, you know, he's going to come back and service it. He's going to be there for the long run. Right. We, we get to do business with this person as a result of spending this money and that has to play a part. So I get asked all the time, like people will text me in Facebook messenger with their objections and asking me to maybe do an episode on this one, or just asking for advice on how to overcome a certain objection. They get a lot. And so often the, you know, it boils down to, what at least that that tech or that business owner thinks is it just boils down to we cost more than X company. So part of the reason we did the episode we did last week with Brent Buckley was just because I had so many people asking me to do an episode where, you know, I'm, I'm getting cut constantly by a competitor who will do it for a little bit less. And, you know, Brent's in a market where there are, I mean, I worked in Vegas for several years where Brent Buckley is, and he's he's in a bowl, basically, in the middle of the desert. And there are, you know, I don't know, 500 HVAC contractors in that little bowl. And he probably works for, you know, top three most expensive companies in, in the Vegas Valley. He knows and the clients know that they can throw a rock and find someone who's going to do it cheaper. Like very few markets have have such a condensed amount of competitors that are willing to cut your price literally in half. And all we talked about for the entire episode was the fact that you know you're you're selling you're not just going in there to sell a boiler or whatever a panel or a water heater. Going in there, to, yeah. I mean, if you're selling something, you're selling Vegas the entire. You're selling the entire package of you the company standing behind you, the the equipment 
And then on top of that, what you're packaging with that equipment, particularly when your competitor did not bring all this other stuff up or did not uh, even present all these other options, and I'll say upgrades to the system, and then you're, you're, they're saying, well, why is theirs cheaper? And you're saying, because theirs is cheap. Like, theirs is less expensive because it's cheap. They're talking about just this little piece of equipment. Without our service, without our warranties, without our 24-hour, you know, uh, people on the phones here ready to take your call, send someone to help when you need it, and only talking about that one piece of equipment with none of this other stuff where we dug deep to find out what your home and your family truly needs. So, as Tommy Mello would say, they're selling apples, we're selling oranges. Right. And that was a great episode with him on there. But using Vegas as an example, do you want to stay in this dimly lit hotel that's close to the airport? Or do you want to stay on the strip with all the show and all the to-do? That's what it's all about. It's all about um, focusing on that person and, and giving them the best experience that you can. So speaking of experience, I mean, obviously we're, <clears throat> we're working our way into developing relationships. That's where things really start and stop uh, in, in terms of being in the home services industry. We've already looked at the listing aspect. What would you say is the, the next step that we should focus on? The thing that we tell people the most, smile. A simple smile does so much you're smiling it it leads the customer to believe that you don't have um selfish in, intentions it, it lets them believe that you're genuine it lets them feel like you're confident in what you're doing it signifies that hey this this person is a pleasant person he's good to be around not only if you smile, the customer's probably going to smile too. And we've all heard that saying, hey, laughter is the best medicine, right? So when you hear that, you're smiling, they're smiling. Okay, this experience is a little bit better because, man, I may be having an emergency, but at least I have that relief. At least I can smile through it. As, as we're going through the experience. Now, is it as simple as just smiling? Or, I mean, that seems kind of evident, doesn't it? Super simple, right? Super eminent. But if you go in and you say, where's the panel? You're focused. You're, you're stone-faced. You're, you're focused 100%. But if you can ah, take a deep breath, smile, enjoy the customer, provide that pleasant experience, sit back, talk to them a little bit. It's smiling. It's being in good mood. It's, it's being joyful to be around. It's being happy to be where you are. What? Okay. I mean, so the obvious question there is what if we're not, what if we're not happy? I mean, you know, stuff happens all the time. But I like to look at, um, you know, think about the pregame for NFL. When you're watching the players go through the tunnel, what are they doing? They're listening to music. They're dressed up. They're dressed sharp. 
what are they doing though? They're getting all of the worldly things, all of the things that happened on the way to work, all of the things that, um, you know, you got in an argument with your wife or your kids are upset because you're not going to pick them up and they have to ride the bus. You're getting all of that. All that has to be washed away before you go in. So you smile because you're at work and you get to help this customer. Whatever happened before work is going to be there after work. Is that a compartmentalization, uh, you know, thing that we have to work on? I mean, sometimes it's easier to do than other times. I mean, it, you know, I understand what you're saying, but it's, what if it was something that just happened at work? What if your boss just called you and told you something you weren't expecting to hear, whatever, like, you know, now you're, now you're dealing with feelings at work and you're supposed to put them away. How does that happen? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say compartmentalize because that's probably a, a bad term, but what you have to do is you have to focus on the moment and focus on that customer because that's what you're there to do. You're there to serve that customer. We are in a customer service industry. So making that customer's experience the best humanly possible is what we're there to do. Let's look at it on the flip side. So maybe, maybe that's you naturally and maybe it's not where you're getting out of your truck. Hopefully, you're the type of tech who flips that switch. You know, you take that driver hat off. I'm no longer driving my <laughs> truck to the next call. And you put that sacrificial service to my next client hat on and you say, I'm here for them. And you, you should go in there and say, this person is paying my grocery bill this month. You know, they're, they're quite literally responsible for if my daughter needs braces, this person is helping pay for those braces. So I darn sure better compartmentalize my negative feelings about whatever phone call I got and leave it in the freaking truck because it has nothing to do with this person. And this person is paying your bills. So Bro, we don't have anything if we don't have customers. Right. So, so look at, let's look at it in reverse. So you go to uh, like pick the place you go to the Sunoco station, right? And, uh, you get behind you get up to the counter with your your monster energy drink and your slim jim and your bag of funyuns and you know tell them 20 on pump 2 and the uh young lady behind the counter is just like ignoring you chewing gum red-faced angry and you're uh you know you're a pretty uh you're a pretty um empathetic person so you say uh hey uh everything okay and she's like <laughs> I mean, my boyfriend just texted me that it's over. So, uh, you you know, if you think that's okay, then yeah, I guess everything's okay. Give me one second. I got to go call him. And, and you're just standing there like, what the, like, imagine how you're feeling and talking about Susan here behind the counter. Imagine how you're feeling and talking about her. What do you want to see as a customer? Exactly. That's not it. You no, want you, someone to listen to you and you want someone that's going to pay attention. Just like the first point is listening and 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 actually listening to to understand what's going on. Yeah, or at the very least, to compartmentalize that the junk in her trunk, <laughs> just set it over there on the counter next to the cigarette tray, right? Smile at you and say, "How can I help you today?" And you say, "Give me this, give me this, give me this," and twenty on pump two. And she says, "Thank you for coming to Sunoco." 
And she's just, you know, she's choking back those tears. But she's about that customer service, baby. She's not going to show you any of it. And you walk out and her world falls apart and all is well because, you know, Jeremy didn't have to deal with her emotions. Right? All good. <laughs> right. Absolutely right. Like, we, we, we definitely, you know, I made, made a little joke out of that at the end. But we, we as customers, as paying customers, you know, you would be empathetic and you would have feelings for what, what that person's go through. But, but Sunoco is paying her to do a job. And that job is to not hoist her problems onto the clients coming in paying money for their services. It is to pleasantly check that person out, take their money, give them their products, and send them on their way, hopefully in a little bit better mood than they got there in, right? And that's our job. That was always my job as a technician, to hopefully leave that call having the client in a far better mood than they were in when I showed up. Hopefully it was a win, win, win. I won and made some, made some good money. The client won and got a whole bunch of products that, that, that were far more important to them than the money they spent to gain those products. And they will enjoy those products far more than they would the money they kept. And then the company wins because we made some nice return on the company investment that day. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, you can think of this, you know, I told you I was an EMT firefighter and with the experience doing that, you go into, um, a car wreck. I've seen a million car wrecks, just like all these technicians have seen, um, a million of the same problem. Are you about to complain like, because your, your client in the upside down car wasn't smiling when you got there? No, oh, okay. just, make, just make not where sure. I was going with this. <laughs> what I was going to say is you get so stone-faced and, and ignore that, hey, this really is an emergency to this, this person that I'm at their house. Whether it be a big one or a small one, it's an emergency to them. So you come in, you smile, you take that deep breath, you don't show them your problems. Okay, maybe they can sit back and smile and know that you're fixing to take care of their problems. That's good stuff, Jeremy. Uh, and uh, for the sake of time here, we're going to keep on plotting on. So we've definitely wanted to focus on uh, our ability to listen to the client and we've spent some attention on smiling. What's another key area of focus that we need to pay attention to? Yeah, another key area of focus, you, you kind of mentioned it when you were talking about the, the child and you want the child to look at you in the, the eyes when you're listening. So when you make eye contact, you actually seem more trustworthy, more sincere, and you're encouraging honest and open communication at that point. So look at people in the eye. Be Look at them directly in the eye and make eye contact would be the next point. Is that something that, you know, is, is common courtesy? I mean, obviously it is. Is that something you feel has has gone away in today's generation. Why is that still something that we need to consider important? I feel like a lot of common courtesies have gone away in today's generation. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hundred percent something I was taught. You, you know, when someone's talking to you, you look them in the eye, but as time goes on, as we get focused on other things, as society itself becomes more lax, that's something we go away from the, the 
the normal everyday manners that we were taught as children are definitely useful here. That is something that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I am older than I think I am, but you know, the advent of phones and how we're constantly staring down and also trying to talk at the same time has, uh, it's, it's created confusion. Well, let's just put it that way. It's created confusion. You know, are you with me? Or are you not with me? And there definitely is a psychology behind shifting the eyes and looking up versus down and all that when you're having a conversation with somebody. And I, I think it really is a lost art to stare somebody in the eyes and just have a genuine conversation with them face to face, man to man, and be able to communicate whatever it is. And I think if you can help help yourself identify those things, you're way ahead of the ball. But Jeremy, sometimes the client is not on the same page as you. Sometimes you're the one trying to extend the eyes and they're not meeting you. So what do we do then? Well, you know, that's a good point that you bring up, but when you force yourself to make eye contact, they can actually feel you making that eye contact. You're also forcing yourself to be more engaged in the conversation. They're going to feel that you're more engaged in the conversation. They're going to feel that you're more genuine and they'll reciprocate. They'll look you in the eyes. They'll be more genuine. They'll open up more at that point. Do you need to call a timeout if they're not giving you that type of attention? I mean, you you might could throw like a challenge flag or something, but I don't know that we carry those. So if if they're that customer that you go in their house and say, oh, um, the panel's over there. I got to jump on a webinar in five minutes. What I would say is, hey, I understand that you have to jump on a webinar. Those are very, very important. But I've got a couple of questions to ask you to make sure that your home is operating safely and to make sure that I don't just do a Band-Aid fix, that I come in and look at the entire problem. So your home safety and your your the problem that you called me out today for, that is important to you, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And okay. Yes, it is important to you. Now, can you give me the five minutes before your webinar starts to ask you some questions to get down more of your understanding and your needs about what's going on? And then, you know, by all means, jump on your webinar. I understand you have to work. But if I have to knock and ask you a question, is that okay maybe for you to put it on mute for a second? Right. And I think that that really demonstrates the importance of who is in control of the relationship from the beginning. Right. I mean, I know that we are going there. We are going there to serve. We are going there to, um, to be paid for that service. Uh, and yet, who is supposed to be in control of that call? It needs to be the technician, right? Right. We 100% have to take control because we're the ones that know we're the professional we're the ones that know how to fix the problem and we're the ones that they called to fix the problem so they ask us to be there to fix the problem and to take care of that situation and in doing so part of the responsibility that we bear in that call is also owning the conversation itself and and if something is going off track if the homeowner isn't paying attention for important things important conversation it is coming up with soft and subtle ways to draw them back in to that conversation so that you, the two of you can have a uh, you know really, really clear 
and transparent conversation. Right. And that brings us to the next point. It's actually being comfortable. Um, that doesn't mean like sitting on their couch and eating Cheetos. It means being comfortable with your knowledge base, with you as a technician going in there and taking control of the service. Because that customer is probably going to make a buying decision, not only on how much they like your product or service, but on it, if they like you as well. So elaborate more on that uh, and, and where, where do we need to take that? How does that apply practically in the home? Because if you're comfortable, if you sit back, if you talk to a client, if you genuinely want to know more about their problem, because you know if you find all the information out, then you can solve that problem. Because if you want your prospect to be open, which we do, Right, we we want the the prospect to have the customer to have all the answers, and we keep asking questions, and they keep giving us more information because that's what we're doing. If they ask us, or if we are able to ask them good questions, what we're doing is getting more information, and with that information, it helps us better understand how to fix their problem. So being comfortable in the home is something that, you know, may take some time to develop into. What would you say to those who are coming up in the trades right now who still feel anxious about knocking on that door, who still feel uh, a sense of relief when, when uh, nobody's home? What, what would you say to them to help develop that level of comfort? Um, I think it's going to sound a little cheesy, but really and truly believe in yourself, believe in your products, believe in your company. Because if you know you're out there with a superior product, you have a good legitimate company that's been around that, that offers good guarantees and warranties, and you know that you've been trained, then that should give you the confidence you're there at that customer's house for a reason. Someone that owns a business is not going to put a technician in a van because that's their asset if they don't believe that they can do the job. Now, Jeremy, one of the things that, um, that kind of comes with comfort level is, is buying, right? So how does, how does the technician being comfortable reflect in the home in terms of the ultimate transaction? Because if they're confident in you to handle their problem, it makes their buying decision a lot easier. So if you're comfortable enough to sit back, lay your hair down, so to speak, have a conversation with the customer, chill out. And, and when you make it conversational, it's not like they're being interrogated. It's like, oh man, you know, I, I just had a, a cool talk with Jeremy for about 20 minutes and then he fixed my problem and he was able to suggest some things that, better my life and you know increase the quality of my home it's not man this guy came in and he tried to sell all this stuff and he pitched this and this and this and he was just very straightforward it, it it's a conversation part of the conversation ultimately will revolve around products and or services that you may provide in the home what does it look like to become comfortable with those things that you can have 
very coherent conversations. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you jump in and you do your research and you train. Training is so very, very important but you train enough to know your products inside and out, you know that your company provides a service. So when you go to a customer's house, you can connect with them. You, you're not a robot. You seem trustworthy. You don't have to rely on uh, tricks or gimmicks or any of that. You just communicate honestly and with purpose. So in, in terms of comparing that to maybe somebody who does use tricks and, and whatever you would call those things, what, what would look differently there? So in, in my opinion, when someone's going to use tricks and gimmicks and, and try to uh, coerce the client into the sale, you may get that one sale, but you're not going to have that repeat business. But someone who communicates honestly and with purpose knows genuinely that they're doing the right thing by the customer and the customer can feel that and they're going to operate in such a way that, Hey, they took care of me last time. I'm not going to ask near as many questions this time because I know that they'll take care of me. So that repeat business, those referrals are more likely to come. Someone who uses the tricks and gimmicks may, you know, they, they may get that one off. They may get that one, one job. But it's more about developing a lifelong client, developing relationships that this person's house that I was at, they're super, super comfortable telling their, their kids or their neighbors or their parents, man, this guy was a great guy. You know, we, we sat back, we had a conversation, and he was able to really take care of what I needed taken care of instead of. You know, this company, I called them, and I, I honestly kind of regret doing business with them. My problem's fixed, but, you know, I wouldn't call them again. So that kind of brings us to the final point of focus here on relationships. So we've looked at being good listeners. We've looked at making sure that we're bringing a smile to the conversation and looking them in the eyes. And we've made a dedicated attempt to be comfortable, not only with ourselves, but with our conversation and with being with a stranger. What is the final thing that we should focus on? Man, the final thing is, is just being their person, being their guy. Um, and I use that term loosely, but do you have a guy, say, that, that you call, do you have a barber that you use uh, every single time? Yeah, Beth. Yeah, Beth. Rocks. <laughs> I'm giving Beth a shout out as a matter of fact. I'm glad you said that, Jeremy, because my man Mike, our uh, vice president of external operations, just went and saw her. Great haircut. Beth, sport clips over here in Lancaster. Well, she did the best she could anyways. The face still isn't great. She could not fix Mike's face, unfortunately, but she was able to do work miracles with his hair, as she always does. Oh, uh, do you go in and you ask her a lot of questions and – um, kind of second guess what she's doing with your hair, or do you go in and say, "Hey, you've got this. I'm gonna sit here and chill." Oh, she's she's good to go. Yeah, she knows exactly what to do. Actually, I think the first time I went, she was just like, "I'll take it from here. Don't you don't need to tell me what you want to do." <laughs> the reason I brought her up is because her fiance, I want to say, it uh, owns an electrical company, and uh, I told her to have him listen to the show recently. So. 
Hey, cool. There didn't you go. get his name, but uh, Beth's fiance. Uh, glad to have you listening, buddy. You got this, Beth's fiance. We all have confidence in you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. She's your person, right? You don't come in every time and be like, ooh, that's $25. Or if she went up 2 or $3, you wouldn't be like, ugh, I'm going to think about going somewhere else. She's your person. You text her and say, hey, I need a haircut. It's a good experience. It's a good company. And you're going to return and you're going to be a loyal customer. And now that company can grow and her client base can grow. But if you are their person, it, it feels good to have a person. If someone can call me and I can handle their issue, man, it feels good for me to be able to call someone and immediately get work done, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's bringing it kind of full circle. That's the whole point of the relationship, right, is to develop that I'm your guy mentality with the client so that they don't, they don't need to, they don't want to, they don't have to call anybody but you and they trust you to get it done. Right. And then, then you get those positive word of mouth referrals. You get more customers, you get satisfied customers. Everybody's happy in the long run. It, it's really all about going the extra mile and making yourself different from everyone else. That is the name of the game, especially when there are so many people in the home services trade doing exactly what we do there needs to be a way to differentiate yourself and jeremy i think you've brought some uh great ideas here in terms of how we can begin doing that in the home listen smile look in the eyes be comfortable and of course attempt to become their guy their trusted advisor the person that they call when they have that problem yes sir and uh, i've enjoyed talking to you guys and i appreciate y'all having me on Yes, Jeremy. So as we bring it in for a landing here, um, I always find it interesting to talk to trainers who experience the trades outside of, you know, our local office, so to speak. And you're getting involved in many other, many other offices and locations around the country. What are some things that you're seeing as trends? What are some things that you're noticing um, are up and coming? What are some things that you're noticing as challenges? What does it look like out there? You know, I think a lot of challenges that business owners are facing is is getting people to really want to buy into this, really want to jump in. And, you know, some people think that, that this, as simple as it is, is a gimmick or is a trick or is a... But when you get someone to understand that it's all about having genuine relationships, and it's not, oh, I'm going to trick the customer into buying this. When when you get off on, man, our company is a family. We do stuff together. We we eat together. We, we hang out together. When you get that family mantra, when you get that customer, when you get that employee to understand that, that it's all a big family and it's all a communication and it's really just about being a genuine good person, and doing what you can for other people, that's that's when it all clicks. And as far as uh, those who are getting into the trades and starting to come up in it, you know, we we actually just had a, a career day here at our office where we invited the local uh, graduating class of a trade college uh, close by here to come and visit our shop and hang out with our people and see what a day to day operation looks like. 
Uh, so we're really excited about getting more people into the trades. What are you seeing out there? What are the things that you would tell people who are considering the trades to focus on? And what would be your encouragement to them? Um, what I would say is that you went through school, you graduated school, so you know your craft. So now it's time to take what you've learned and apply it, but apply it in a way that you can add customer service skills to it. So it's not only about your craft. It's not only about being a technician. It goes so much further than that. Our guest today has been Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, he has brought five simple ways of making sure that you're developing relationship in the home. Jeremy, if people are interested in learning more about you or connecting with you, what's the best way to do that? Man, um, call, text, email. I'm open for for any way of communication that they want to ask me questions. Um, I'm, I'm here to help you in any way I can. Um, I can give you my direct cell. I can give you my email. Yeah, let's do, let's do email, Jeremy. Email jeremy.pruitt, J-E-R-E-M-Y dot P-R-U-I-T-T at authoritybrands.co. If you enjoyed the content today or you're looking to develop more of that relationship in the home and learn more about the importance of that, make sure you hit Jeremy up on the email there. Jeremy, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. I'll try not to hold the Dallas Cowboys thing against you, but uh, uh, thanks for bringing some content for our guests, to fo- or for, excuse me, for our listeners to focus on. Hey, we'll see you in Orlando next week, right? Will do. Yeah, I'll see you guys next week and uh, appreciate you guys having me on and uh, go Cowboys. <laughs> he's going to edit that part out buddy it, it's going to be your voice saying go eagles <laughs> Ooh, don't you do that to me thanks jeremy have a great day all right y'all too hey that's a wrap for this podcast we hope that it was a good reminder to you of some simple and yet effective things to be focusing on in the home make sure that you do start off that relationship with listening and one of the things that we hoping that we hope you are doing is listening to this podcast on a regular basis. And in fact, we're looking for more listeners. So if you have some friends or people that you've not introduced to this podcast yet, we would sure love the referral, uh, especially if they're in the trades. But even if they're not, we always appreciate people who are interested in learning and developing more about themselves because that's what we're about here. We're about wasting no day. We're about making sure that you take the opportunities that are given to you and maximize them and develop yourself into the person that you want to be. And we want to leave you now with our challenge, which is to do that very thing, to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day. 